so what well-known recording artist is about to actually build a full-on tech hub in a foreign country? Well, you're about to find out that and so much more. What is going on, everybody? You are now inside of a brand new kicking off for the new year episode of Beats and Bites. That's right. This is episode one of season, not one, not two, but three. Still doing it up strong every Thursday. Thank you so much for joining me. First of all, I hope you had a great holiday season. If you celebrate, I hope that the new year is off to a great start for you. Stay strong, you know, in those goals and stuff, because if you're anything like me as a type A personality, if you don't see it happening right away, you tend to get a little bit bummed, but don't like stay strong and just keep seeing it and be relentless in seeing it until it comes through. So hopefully um, some of what I will say um, today and share with you will, um, you know, support you, at least in some of your career goals. I have a bit of news I'm going to share with you. And then I also have a little interview too. So this is kind of a mix. Um, Let's see, I am recording this on January 11th, that's 111, and it's a new moon tonight. So what can we say? Everything is aligned for this to be a great kickoff for a brand new season, and I'm so excited about it. And I'm just looking to, you know, do even more this season, really to even make this number, you know, greater. I'm still getting over the fact that, you know, 71% of Spotify listeners to this podcast vote it like number one out of their top five. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and even more. And um, if this is the first time that you're listening to uh, Beats and Bites, welcome. If you listen all the time, definitely spread the word because I am out here to make sure that everybody stays on top of, of course, the intersection of emerging technology and mass media entertainment. What's going to happen next? What are the trends to look for? How can you leverage them? Because so much is going on. I mean, even just yesterday, after a little bit of like a false start or whatever, now the SEC has actually approved um, several Bitcoin ETFs to actually be, you know, traded. This is a real full on thing now. I know I was covering like just the whole digital currency space as a contributor for Forbes starting, I don't know, maybe 2016, 2017. And just seeing all the ups and downs and who would think, or I mean, many thought that we would see this day, but a lot of people thought we wouldn't. It's actually both great and challenging because if something is regulated, then it kind of defies the original purpose of digital currency, which was to be not regulated and more kind of peer-to-peer and all that. So where all this is going to go, um, I don't think anybody knows. But one thing I think it is going to do is kind of solidify the whole kind of digital asset scenario of the whole Web3 kind of building out of community and how that interacts with different brands and how consumers will be able to trade certain things inside of, you know, said Web3 community, how recording artists are going to be able to take advantage of that more, creating their own Web3 communities, and how it all just kind of begins to get a little bit more, in air quotes, legitimized with, you know, this this announcement of, you know, the SEC kind of blessing Bitcoin, if you will, in this way for ETF. So just kind of putting that out there that the, the, the year is already off to a massive start. Of course, CES is taking place right now. I am not boots on the ground at CES in Vegas, because I've 
been fortunate enough to be there. I don't know, I guess like five times or something. And it's a wonderful, wonderful circus. I just kind of, I guess, maybe made the promise to myself that until I had something that was like my own project, if I did, I just didn't really feel the need to go and have like no sleep and be able to, you know, run around and everything. You don't know if you've really absorbed everything on this side or not. And you're running from this private event to that, to whatever. And there's actually a lot of benefit in looking at it kind of from a distance because you can synthesize all the wonderful reporting that's going on, um, you know, simultaneously and see how different perspectives are, where they're missing things, where some great points are. So what I'm going to do is maybe give a, a little bit of a mini recap of CES from my research um, remotely. Um, that'll probably hit my LinkedIn newsletter, which you guys should remember hits LinkedIn every Tuesday morning. So you don't want to miss that because that goes like into a little bit more of an edgy vibe of right this kind of intersection of emerging tech and, and music, specifically from a hip hop point of view, looking at where the opportunities are, challenges and so much more. It's really starting to blow up even more. I'm getting more and more subscribers, so you don't want to miss it. But I will put like a kind of Oh, synopsis of CES from that point of view in that newsletter. So you don't want to miss it. What I have for you today, after I give you these first couple little news bits that I want to share with you, because I just found out about them. Um, I have for you an interview with a different consultant. Some of you may, may remember if you listened to the episode around the AI summit, which took place here in New York early December, I spoke to uh, two consultants from BCG, Boston Consultant Consulting Group, about some other elements as it pertains specifically to AI. But this time I had the opportunity to speak to a particular consultant in the media space, media and entertainment space at BCG. We're talking about trends to look forward to in 2024, what's going to happen with these potential mergers, you know, but with Warner, Paramount, et cetera, et cetera. So you want to listen to um, this interview. It's it's pretty interesting just in terms of, you know, just some kind of big picture things that you can kind of think about. And so, like I said, before I get into that, though, I want to answer, of course, you guys know I always put a little question out there. Before I do answer that, I want to let you know about what another artist is doing and then, you know, kind of talk about this. I'm starting to see more established artists start to make kind of intriguing deals as the year, you know, kind of kicks off. And I'm interested to see where this goes. Now, this first one I want to talk about, Will I Am, of course, from Black Eyed Peas. We've all seen Will do a number of different, you know, deals over the years in the tech space. He's, you know, out there, I guess, with his management team, always kind of creating these deals. I haven't seen, I have to admit, like the, the stickiness of them and really the larger benefit to a greater community around them. And I'm hoping that that kind of begins to happen. Uh, I think we've seen the deal recently announced with IBM. I haven't seen anything else come of that though, since the announcement, I guess they're kind of like, you know, elves, like kind of getting the things together, but I'd love to hear like an update on that um, to really see what the offering is, you know, that's tangible in the meantime. Now he's already done another deal. So I thought I would share this with you guys. So he it has entered into a partnership with um, Mercedes and this kind of what they're calling pioneering technology called MBUX. So I guess MBUX, um, Sound Drive, 
which is, in quotes, aimed at redefining the driving experience by merging cutting-edge technology with artistic creativity. By the way, if you want to read this word for word, you can go to techfinancials.co.za. But the gist is this. So they're partnering with Will to be able to have a kind of soundscape or sound kind of landscape, if you will, that will work somehow with this technology so that as you're driving, the sound experience, like, I guess, why do you need like your radio or Spotify or something? I guess that's all supposed to go out of the window. That as you're driving, you'd have almost like a soundtrack based on the speed, essentially, that you are driving. And so it, it says, you know, again, if you read the article, I'll read, you know, this, this these couple lines to you. Mercedes said, said in a statement that in essence, drivers become composers in real time as the technology interprets their actions on the road and translates them into a harmonious blend of motion and melody. Now, I think this is really interesting. If I don't know, maybe you're like doing some drive in the country or like when I used to live in LA, like you drive like up the coast and like, you know, past Malibu and all that. And so it has, there's a steady rhythm and you're in a certain frame of mind. But I mean, if you're stuck in traffic or you're weaving in and out, or maybe it's just like late and you're driving maybe a little bit slowly, I don't know, it's like 2am, 3am. You don't want to be like having mad harmony. I know I'll be blasting hip hop even more, you know, at that point to make sure I'm alert, staying on the road. You know, I I don't know, and obviously it's not mandatory, but I'm just wondering, is this one of those tech nice-to-haves? It's a tech must-have? I mean, with all the things going on in the world, I don't know. I'd love to see either a social good element around this so that it, it, it gives back or something or maybe uplifts your emotions maybe more if you're feeling troubled or depressed or something rather than like merging with the actual machine of the car and motion. I don't know, but we're going to have to see what is up with this. Um, I'll be also intrigued as many will to see what will actually comes up with production wise, you know, on this, obviously the Benz driver is not a monolith, right? So you've got younger people who are balling, who have a Benz, you have, you know, you're more conservative types who are maybe older, like golf, you know, playing like heads, whatever. How's that all going to work out? How many choices will there, will there be and more? But just want to kind of put that out there. I'm hoping that there'll be a call for um, collaboration with other maybe um, newer emerging artists or producers. That would be nice to see too. So I don't know, but keep your eyes peeled for this, but just wanted to let you know about it since just hit the news um, earlier this week. So finally, okay, to answer the question, drum roll, please. And I am pulling this from musicinafrica.net. Again, if you want to read the story in its entirety. So the artist who is going to be partnering with a couple of entities on building out a quote unquote tech hub is, okay, ready? Wyclef Jean. So this is targeted for Nigeria and it is apparently targeted to a specific portion of Nigeria called Plateau State. It's the 12th largest Nigerian state located near the center of Nigeria. It's home to about 3.5 million people. And essentially they are looking to build on over like 4,000 acres of land, uh, a whole tech and innovation 
hub, right? We see this going on in, in different parts of the world. Now, this is kind of the focus of this now is um, Nigeria. This is all about not only music and movie studios, but like kind of designing them as creative incubators, um, kind of bringing in emerging talent, both on the tech side of things and the creative side of things to make really a whole new economic um, opportunity and offering. It doesn't say exactly like target date, at least from this article, when this is supposed to be, you know, completed, what the stages are, you know, I would hope that there will be many more announcements to come. So you might be thinking like, okay, but where's the money coming from? (laughs) Because that's what I'm always, you know, looking at, you know, from a business point of view. Apparently, Wyclef Jean has partnered with something called the Caribbean International Commerce just just that, not the Caribbean International Commerce Organization, or that's just it, just commerce, um, to, uh, I guess, you know, create the funding and the vision behind all of this. Apparently, um, Wyclef Jean also, just kind of parenthetically here, um, secured a $25 million deal, well, in funding um, through his, like, Carnival World Music Group to be able to kind of, you know, support in music publishing and production ventures in underserved markets throughout Africa and the Caribbean. So I guess in dealing in all that, he made some other relationships with this Caribbean international commerce. They're doing all this, not in the Caribbean, but in Africa and in Nigeria itself. Um, I guess he's going to be, you know, kind of using a portion of, of this capital from his Carnival World Music Group as part of um, you know, the economic support for not really the hub overall, because obviously it's not nearly enough for that, but maybe supporting like some of the creatives uh, who will be, you know, developing all these different um, music related properties within this larger innovation um, kind of uh, offering and so much more. So, you know, I'm going to be tracking this. I find this, you know, quite interesting. Wyclef always is, you know, out there <laughs> creating something uh, new, right? There's always some kind of deal that's that's popped up that has his name on it. And I, I'm looking to see how robust this will, will be, right? Because this is a huge undertaking. And I think it's, you know, intriguing. Again, another um, deal announcement that has jumped off. This actually happened toward the end of December, but of course, obviously ramping up to 2024. So we're already starting to see a lot of things like percolate. So there you have it, just putting that out there again, if there may be opportunities um, for those who are looking to partner in various ways with this, you know, expand your innovation lens, if you will, um, globally, if you're looking at that from like more of an independent creator point of view, or certainly even from, you know, an executive point of view from a, you know, a small business or even one of the corporations, thinking about and looking at how and what the play can, could, should be with recording artists going forward as it pertains to, you know, partnerships, emerging tech, and so much more. Because you're not just obviously getting the creative brain and that creative brand, but also, you know, tapping into their fan base. I'd love to, of course, see um, some newer names uh, partnered with in different ways um, for major equity. And of course, you know, more women in this space. So just you know, get your kind of juices flowing, thinking about more of 2024, how can you expand your network and, and do different deals on your own, you know, terms that actually get you further and further into this, um, you know, kind of innovation space. 
Oh, that also reminds me, uh, for those who haven't heard, and how could you not, but just in case, you know, Apple Vision Pro glasses about to drop February 2nd. You know I'm going to be talking about that even more. Um, They already have a number of different deals set up for content for that. But I posed in my LinkedIn newsletter earlier this week, I'm just wondering, and it's not the same, you know, level of technology and obviously takes, you know, greater partnership as most things do today in technology. Does everybody remember when, you know, DVDs dropped and of course the studios were like, great, additional revenue stream and all that. But out of the, what would we call it, more underground entertainment source (laughs) or hip hop, they were like, great, what, we're going to just use this as a full-on platform. We don't need any green lighting or anything else. We're going to create our own stories. And it just blew up. I mean, globally, just so, I mean, DVD was everything for a few moments there. And a lot of wealth was made from them. I'm just wondering, will we see something like that with either these glasses, others, whatever? I'm starting to hear even more about other types of technology and platforms that enable people to kind of start to get over the gatekeepers now of even terrestrial radio studios, et cetera, et cetera, and really access like, you know, the consumers, those eyeballs, those ears directly. And as this happens with the convergence of AI generated material and so much more, man, the wealth that's going to be created and the creativity that we're going to see put out here that does not need to have a major conglomerate approve it is going to be fascinating. And I think if you're listening from inside of one of those major um, entertainment conglomerates, all the more reason to start thinking about who is out here who's really starting to drive things that's not just presented by uh, the typical Hollywood agencies and so much more. Because I think, not I think, I know, that's where the competitive advantage is going to come into play. So really I mean, just so, so much to think about and already, you know, just so much happening, right? It's only January 11th. Um, What else can I tell you? Oh, my NASDAQ article. I think the latest one that I did was whenever, you know, during my last podcast and I will be um, starting my new year of my column, the first one I should say to go live uh, for this year will take place next week, even though I'm not, I'm I'm deciding between two topics right now, so I can't tell you exactly what it will be, but that will more than likely go live next Thursday or Friday in case you are, you know, just keeping up with all the wonderful platforms of Lauren Delisa Coleman, future media innovationist. All right, so that does it for your kind of intro to the new year, what's going on, what I'm thinking about, a couple of news items, whatever. Let's now get into the interview with the BCG consultant who I mentioned. I hope that you like this. It's a little bit more formal, right? So for my like execs listening, you'll be like, okay. And for my like, you know, maybe more hipsters, (laughs) edgy people, you'll be like, okay, let me like rewind that again because it's just a a little bit more formal. So, but still a a ton to be able to glean, glean from, as they say. So I hope that you enjoy this. Again, spread the word on the podcast. Give me a like if you're listening and 
you know, love it, find it helpful in any way, five stars, let people know, definitely follow. Don't forget as well, like I said, my uh, newsletter on LinkedIn every Tuesday morning and, you know, just check in uh, on just, you know, just Google NASDAQ comma my name, Lauren Delisa Coleman to see as I post columns. It's usually about twice a month. It just really depends on what's going on and what I feel really quite moved about. So there you have it, you guys. I hope you have a great rest of the week, weekend, day, night, wherever, whenever you're listening to this. And um, let's kick it off now with this fabulous interview. Bye-bye. So my name is Neil Zuckerman. I am a senior partner and managing director of BCG. I also run our Global Institute for the Future of Television. Uh, acronym is GIFT, G-I-F-T. Uh, and for the previous seven years until June, I ran our global media practice. So you are the man with whom to speak. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have some thoughts and there are many people, men and women to speak to, so... Well, I love it. So, of course, everybody's going to be trying to decide, especially at this time of the year, what are trends that people should be looking out for, whether it's, you know, at CES or the industry, you know, kind of overall, when you look at the intersection of emerging technology, the several pillars that I kind of focus on, AI, 5G, now moving into 6G, Web3, of course, the fabulous Apple Vision Pro glasses are going to be coming up. So spatial computing, this whole area with emerging technology and um, I'm sorry, mass media and entertainment. What are some of your thoughts like that people, executives, investors should have um, top of mind when it comes to this space? Because I think we've all seen, you know, the, the hype about something and then it kind yeah. of fades away in a year or two, or whatever. What do you think is going to yeah. be really sticky this year, Neil? Well, I don't, I, I can't tell you what's going to be sticky. And I think uh, CES is, uh, is is very powerful for announced value, uh, meet as opposed to practical. I think what's important is um, AI is a tool. And, and, I, and I, I, I'm not going to focus on your, your many other things. I think things like 5, 6G or spatial computing, there are other people far more uh, valuable and knowledgeable in those topics. But as a, as a media guy, someone who mm -hmm. works in the world of education, entertainment, and enlightenment, who works in the world of sight, sound, and motion, uh, I think I can give you some thoughts across the different sectors about where AI plays roles. Yeah. And I do think, I do think, unlike some other topics over many years, and I think, um, the narrow, a narrowly construed version of the, the metaverse was an example, or even maybe 3D is another example from a few years ago of where maybe the 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 promise gets ahead of the, the practicality. I do think AI has enough variety of tools and enough hardened um, products in the hands of users that we're going to start seeing some practical implementation of AI. Um, so whether that's in the next six months, 12 months, I think that, that there will be clearly roles that will play. I think you see it in, in the world of video. I think you see a great deal of the creation of short form content uh, that's occurred. I think it's actually fascinating how many short videos can actually be generated by just providing a little script 
and having tools actually create video to accompany uh, the script and even take create the audio for that script and make a product without many much more human intervention. That's pretty powerful. Um, you have, I'm sure you've seen demos of it, making of commercials using an avatar of an actor and mm -hmm. feeding that content is an extraordinary tool uh, that we're seeing. Um, the creation of music, particularly production music, that's effectively background music, is an extraordinary tool for generative AI. And so there's a lot of tools that creators can use and want to use. And the real trend, in my opinion, will be not that these are used, because creators do want to use things that help with their, their volume of output and their creativity. I think the real trend is going to be when consumers, readers, listeners, viewers, in retrospect, learn that, oh, that thing that I just watched that went viral, that thing was made by AI. And that will be a very positive trend in the in the mass world when it's when this product when these products are seen as actually having delivered quality or at least uh interest when they're made that way um that i find it to be a really interesting perspective i mean if you look at it from say an entertainment conglomerate's points of point of view though do you see a threat there because if typically it was about having, you know, access to all of the, for example, Pixar's of the world, and obviously the, the budgets that um, kind of supplement all of that, what happens when the playing field starts to become a bit more leveraged? And you do create, as you said, viral either comp opportunities, moments, content that then begins to kind of run up against those that have I don't know, maybe more of a time issues with hierarchy and so much more to go through that a small shop can like just like run with it and make something amazing happen and create a business model around it. What are some of your thoughts well, on that? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot in what you just said. Let, let's let's break into a little bit. So the the history of media has been in part the creation of intellectual property that has staying power with consumers. And those consumers care for it. We, we just saw that uh, the first version of Mickey Mouse went into mm -hmm. the public domain. Right. And yet the power of Mickey Mouse, whether it's applied to a movie, a ride, or a lunchbox, is, is enormous. And so the creation of, of, of uh, stories and spectacle through characters, whether living or fictional, is not going to change. Um, Will AI help increase the speed by which storylines can be created for those characters? Yes. Um, will will AI help um, smaller um, studios create content? Sure. Um, in fact, that's been the nature of the media business for a very long time. Um, uh, small studios, whether you even look at Blumhouse, mm -hmm. right? This is the horror um, genre-focused studio. That's a small shop that created a niche by focusing on modern versions of horror. Um, 
whether that gets bought up by a big uh, studio at one point, who knows. But attacker models have existed and will continue to exist, whether they're innovations in technology, like Spotify, whether they're innovations in content like Blumhouse, um, those will still exist. And if AI helps them more quickly go to market, that's that's a good thing. I think, uh, a, you know, while not a bigger threat, but a different threat has been obviously the, the rise of platforms, whether that be Snap before or since, or then TikTok is the most, and, and YouTube obviously ever present. These alternative platforms for video viewing have been uh, nipping at the heels of the studios because they provide not through generative AI, but through different platforms that increase and change the way consumers view content and what they determine to be content. So I, that's not necessarily a gen AI topic, although uh, obviously TikTok is a distribution platform has on it lots of content made by, in many different ways to include through generative AI. Um, I think that those points are, are really uh, fascinating. I, I was thought about something though, as you were talking, and I wanted to just see what you think about this as well. Of course, you know, kind of out in the ether, there is the, the kind of concept that original human created content will eventually become, or not maybe eventually, quite soon, become super high in demand, kind of almost luxury content, if you will, as it is um, kind of documented as such. What are your thoughts on that? Is there really, you know, going to be a, a type of business model which kind of puts a premium on that, which is created the quote unquote old fashioned way? <laughs> yeah, it's a fun, that's a fun uh, what if to think about. Uh, look, um, long before there was AI, there were newswires. And in your business, whether it was Dow Jones newswires or Bloomberg, you had you had um, uh, the the facts of the moment were were churned out for people to understand. And then long form articles and then analysis uh, came after it and other sources like the New York Times, the Atlantic or the Economist. And so the difference between you know more automated content and we've been seeing on the internet for 20 years articles that are effectively made by the creation of what was the name of the stock ticker how much did the stock go up or down what was the reason and there have been automated tools call them gen ai call them just automated whatever name you want to call them there were articles made from facts uh, that were cobbled together to look like content when they were really just sentences built around a couple of numbers. That's existed for some time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the notion of human involvement in um, whether fictive content or nonfiction content, is well, that will not go away. Um, whether it's the humans or the ones making the queries to craft together the story or the humans are just using AI to generate um, ideas to write about, again, whether that's fiction or nonfiction, whether that's films or plays or novels, that will still exist. I think what will be the premium is not who made it, because ultimately, I don't think 
I don't think the, the, the reading or the viewing public actually really truly has a preference for the who who made it, who made it, but it is about the quality of the thing and the experience, whether it's the depth of the insight and in something nonfiction, or whether it's the 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 um the essence and the truth of the storytelling or the entertainment value in something that's fictional. Um so I, I, I think it's hard pressed to say that you know I'll pay more for something human and I'll pay less for something that's machine made. I think for now, and uh, you have you have uh, uh, a whole movie based around the uh, the 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 imitation machine, the whole notion of the the turning test and understanding what's real, what's human, and what's machine made. Mm -hmm. As long as you can tell the quality is in the human made one, it's going to be sold at a premium. Um, and whether the thing is digitally made and is of high quality, well, that will get a premium too. But my guess is the thing that's made digitally without human involvement will generally be noticeable for some time to come. Mm. Interesting. Um, so let's, I guess, pull the lens back just a little bit. And I guess, you know, this might be coming up to our last question. Um, if we look at the industry overall, you know, there's kind of rumor about, you know, massive potential mergers, et cetera, et cetera. What part do you think um, emerging technology is going to play in any potential upcoming deals within the media and entertainment industry um, this year or in years to come? Well, I'm sorry, re repeat your questions. I, I, I think I, I, I lost the thread a little bit halfway through. One more time. No problem. Um, so I said, you know that there is a, a bit of a, a talk about Potential massive mergers coming up yes. within the media space, um, and whether this, you know, actually happens or not, is this year twenty twenty five, whatever. What part do you think um, emerging technology will play in larger overall deals? How they will potentially drive deals and more as you know we kind of move ahead. Do you see this being, um, you know, an element that is going to be scrutinized on the books? Do you see it as you know, something which is going to make or, or break competitive play, who's further out front, who's not, who's done different deals, who's not. Do you know what I mean? I think I think back to the time and maybe I am giving a bit of my edge, uh, my age away with this. But I think about like back in the day when like, you know, Sony was acquiring, you know, Hollywood studios and there were certain, you know, criteria that made it like, you know, an absolute must-have or not? Do you think that we're going to see these things going forward? Are we just going to actually end up having one big media and entertainment company oh. for uh, the world? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's good. That's a lot. Well, look, I, I don't think your question is tied to the emerging technologies per se. Um, I think your question is tied to uh, evolution of new business models um, and new distribution tools and the different profitabilities of those tools. It is no secret uh, that uh, the cable business, the classic cable network business is in deep decline due to cord cutting. Uh, we, we know that in reaction to that, uh, most of the major um, studios and television businesses create streaming alternatives to try and capture direct-to-consumer subscription fees. They invested heavily in original content, mimicking and what Netflix led on. That led to a massive explosion in content spend. That content spend was not met with sufficient 
subscription revenue to uh, achieve profitability. There was, I think, an understanding that was going to be the case, but not the magnitude or the swiftness by which the markets reacted um, in the last year to that lack of profitability. That has led to uh, a the creation of ad-supported streaming services. B the obviously the degradation of the public company's equity in those companies that own those services. C significant cost takeout. D reduction in spend of uh, of content, and E the the uh, return of a frenzy for M&A activity among those players that may be perceived to not have sufficient scale to, to compete um, and or that combination would lead to greater scale. And I'm not going to mention the company's names, right. but you and your colleagues in the fourth estate are, 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 are well covering the, um, the players that are in play. And so ultimately what is different about this M&A uh, run versus in years past and in other industries is that the media business has uh, attackers in it. Um, and those attackers, whether that's Amazon or Apple or Google, that generate most of their profit from non-media businesses. And they have been able to sustain um, different economic profiles in the media business because they have they have alternate business models elsewhere. And those who are pure play media companies don't have that same luxury. And that is the big difference. And that is the challenge facing media companies is funding and or business uh, businesses that are cross subsidized from non-media businesses. And so that's not a, if you say by, by, uh, um, by extension, that's related to emerging technology, e.g. Amazon, Apple, Google generate revenue from things like algorithms, cloud, et cetera, et cetera. Right, Absolutely. Cloud computing. Mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's fine. But even if but if those same companies were owned by business, but, but if those same streaming services of Apple and Amazon and Google, YouTube TV were owned by companies that were equally solid, but not in uh, high volume, high tech businesses, it would still be the same case, which is the cross subsidization of other businesses uh, of their media assets make for a challenge for those media companies that are solely um, exposed to media, given its massive disruptions. Mm -hmm. So the answer is yes, then it's going to get even crazier <laughs> or no. <laughs> I feel, I feel like, are, you doing yes. a, are you doing it at least Stefanik on me? I mean, <laughs> It's all about the context. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I, look, I, I think we're going to see at least one major merger occur in the next 12 months, maybe two among the likely players that own cable network assets and are trying to figure out how to get through it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's not obvious that M&A is the panacea. It, it may seem like a, because you're going to take on a bunch of debt to um, make that work and you're still facing the same headwinds, which is You've got these behemoths, these trillion-dollar companies that have the ability to cross-subsidize. So, the, to use the phrase, uh, merger, merging may be necessary, but not sufficient to ride it all out. Mm. So, it seems like we're going to just have to wait and see what happens. But um, I, I like the the mantra: mergers are not the panacea. We'll have to have that, you know, ingrained in everybody's mind.